0: This afternoon I want to uh, focus with you on the glorious name of the Lord as it is hallowed and glorified among us. This is something that uh, is taught in Psalm 115, and Psalm 115 will be the text for my sermon. Uh, We also will read from the Heidelberg Catechism the lesson on our prayer that God's name may be hallowed. I would like to first read the catechism lesson and then read Psalm 115 as the text for the sermon. So first, Lord's Day 47. And the question is, what is the first petition in the Lord's Prayer? Hallowed be your name. That is, grant us first of all, that we may rightly know you and sanctify, glorify and praise you in all your works in which shine forth your almighty power, wisdom, goodness, righteousness, mercy and truth. Grant us also that we may so direct our whole life, our thoughts, words and actions that your name is not blasphemed because of us, but always honored and praised. And now we open the scriptures to Psalm 115. Hear the word of God. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name give glory, because of your mercy, because of your truth. Why should the Gentiles say, So where is their God? But our God is in heaven. He does whatever He pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of man's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. They have ears, but do not hear. Noses they have, but they do not smell. They have hands, but they do not handle. Feet they have, but they do not walk, nor do they mutter through their throat. Those who make them are like them. And so is everyone who trusts in them. O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their strength. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their strength. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and great. May the Lord give you increase more and more, you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. The dead do not praise the Lord, nor any who go down into silence. But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, prayer is a glorious thing. God will give his grace and Holy Spirit to those who pray for these gifts says our catechism rightly in uh, Lord's Day uh, 45. Jesus taught us to pray our Father because as an infinitely caring Father, God will give us all that we need for body and soul. And it's understandable if we just, when we start praying, want to jump in and say, and and ask away and say, God, give me this, and God, help me with that, because we are so needy, we are so dependent on Him. But in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us first to ask for the most important things, and they are not necessarily the things that are most in the front of our minds. Before asking for daily food, before asking for forgiveness of sin, before asking for protection from evil, there are three short petitions that come first in the Lord's Prayer. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. And they are not so much about our things and our needs. They are about God first and foremost. It's about His name, His kingdom, His will. Because no matter how much we need God's gifts, our life is not about us. Ultimately, our lives are about him. And that is the heart of the first petition. Hallowed be your name. This is also the key idea in Psalm 115. So the catechism lesson compare, uh, or combines well with this psalm. Today, I want to meditate with you on Psalm 115 to learn better what it means when we pray that God's name be hallowed. The theme of the sermon is, it's not about us. It's not about us. And we will look at the greatness of God's name, the hallowing of God's name, and the blessing of God's name. So both Psalm 115 and the prayer, uh, the Lord's Prayer speak about God's name. God's name must be hallowed. His name must be given glory. Psalm 115 verse 1. So what is God's name? And why is it so important? Well, in the Bible, the word name often stands for who you are and for how others know you and view you. When we care about God's name, we care for God's reputation. When we give glory to his name, we speak in lofty terms of who and who he is and what he is like, we make sure to tell everyone everyone that he is the greatest and he is the best. Giving glory to God's name, that's the opposite of abusing his name or taking his name in vain, as the Bible calls it. In the words of the Catechism, we make sure that the name of God will never be blasphemed because of us but always honored and praised. So when we give glory to God's name, we tell both him and ourselves and others how wonderful he is. And that is not an abstract kind of wonderful. Sometimes we can say, oh, God is so amazing. and God is so great. There's even songs that sing pretty much that all the time. God is so awesome. Well, What do you mean by that? What does it mean concretely? God is wonderful because of what He does, of the things that He has done, and the way in which He deals with us even today. And Psalm 115 addressed the Lord right from the beginning as, O Lord, with four capital letters, right? Lord with four capital letters. I'm sure you've heard this many times before. That is the special name Yahweh that the Lord revealed to His covenant people. It identifies him as the God of covenant. It it, it expresses his special love for his people. As those who belong to Yahweh, those who belong to the Lord and who know him, we can tell of all the wonderful experiences we have had with him because he has come close to us, because he has loved us. Psalm 115 verse 1 mentions two aspects of God's name two reasons why we hold God's name in great honor and why we uphold his reputation and those reasons are his mercy and his truth two words you find throughout the pages of the Bible especially in the Old Testament if you asked anyone in the Bible so who is the Lord those were the words you'd hear he's merciful and he is uh, truthful or faithful The first word, mercy, uh, also translated steadfast love or loving kindness in the old King James Bible, that stands for the caring goodness of God that he shows to all his creatures, but especially to the people that he called to himself. It is God's mercy that keeps us alive. It is his mercy that forgives us our sin over and over. It is his mercy that gives us safety and hope and now that mercy is coupled with truth or I think a slightly better translation is the word faithfulness. In, in his faithfulness and truth the Lord does not forget us a single day. In his truth and faithfulness he never refuses to hear us when we pray to him. In his truth and faithfulness he does not change his attitude toward us even if we change our attitude toward him. His mercy and His truth, His steadfast love and His faithfulness, those are two attributes and character traits of the Lord. This is what He is all about. This is His reputation. This is His name. Now, of course, God is much more than that. You cannot summarize him in just two words. And so the Heidelberg Catechism picks up on words like this and and makes the list longer. And it says, in your name shine forth your almighty power and your wisdom and your goodness and your righteousness. And yes, mercy and truth. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us to pray about this great name of God. No one knows that name and its beauty better than our Lord Jesus, of course. Because as the Son of God, and as the Christ of God, He Himself is the name of God. That sounds a little abstract, but but Jesus is in so many ways the names of God. He embodies who God is. Or in the words of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, he says, grace and truth have come through Jesus Christ. All that God is, mercy, truth, have come to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And so it is not about us, but it is about this great name of God. Not to us, Lord not to us, but to your name, give glory because of your mercy and because of your truth. As Jesus taught his disciples, this is the best place in our prayers to begin. We should start by reminding ourselves and praising God about his name, his great name and his reputation as the one who is loving and gracious and faithful always. Now this name of God must be hallowed. And that's a bit of a tricky word. So I don't think, uh, children, you don't use the word hallow very often, do you? No. You don't hear it much either. Hallow is a bit of an old-fashioned English word. And it means to make holy. We have other words for it too that are just as complicated, like sanctify. But That's the basic idea. So our prayer is, Father, your name must be made holy. Now Psalm 115 does not use that word holy or hallowed, but it clearly shows the idea of it. It means God being holy. That means that he is very different. God is so much greater than anything or anybody else. He is beyond anything in this world. And Psalm 115 says that in a lot easier language than hallowed it says in verse 3 our God is in heaven and he does whatever he pleases You see God is not earthly and limited like we are He is in heaven and he is lofty and is powerful and he's bigger than you can even imagine Now, this holiness, this majestic otherness of the Lord, that becomes especially clear when you compare the Lord with other things. When Psalm 115 was composed, God's people lived in a very pagan world. And the nations around them all had their own idol gods and statues and temples and priests and rituals. But their gods were not holy. They were made up. And the Bible points out, almost humorously, this is a funny psalm in a way, it points out what is wrong with them. These statues, they have mouths. You never hear them talk. They have ears. And they cannot hear. They have eyes, but they don't see what's going on. They have feet, but they don't walk away. Their ears and noses and hands and feet and throats, they don't do what they're supposed to do. You call that a god? They can even do less than people. The so-called gods are just statues and symbols and they're just as lifeless as any other piece of wood or piece of metal. Now, in contrast to that, the Lord, he, He does speak. Powerfully, His thunder rolls over the earth and frighteningly, His law was proclaimed from Mount Sinai. The Lord speaks and things happen. The Lord sees everything that goes on in the world and even the most secret plans that are made. The Lord hears it when people sing praises or when they yell curses, when they cry tears um, and and whisper prayers. The Lord smells the sweet fragrance of God-honoring sacrifices and the foul odor of sin. The Lord's hand is lifted high and His arm is strong. And he puts down the enemy to save his people. The Lord walks on the earth and it quakes and it shudders. And what is the difference? Well, the difference is that the Lord is God, He is the creator of the universe, He is infinitely higher than the people He has made. But idols, they're designed and built by those people, they do not have heavenly power. Because they're made of earthly stuff, like silver and gold. They cannot help people. They're merely human products. They're silly. They're powerless things. And not surprisingly then, if you make those idols and you trust in them, you become just like them. You too become silly and useless. Right? That's the point of the psalm in verse 8. You see how silly idols are? If you worship them, you are just as silly. And what does that mean for us? Well, in our modern world, we don't make idol statues, do we? Nobody does. But let's be honest. We can easily buy into the same silly, powerless nonsense And forget about God's holy name. We just do it in a different way than the idol worshippers back then. Just some examples. Money. Money is a man-made idol. Money talks, perhaps. But it does not save you and it does not rescue you from trouble. It gets you in trouble more often than not. It's merciless. And it's unreliable. The opposite of mercy and truth. What about influence and prestige? That's a man-made idol. Yes, it packs a punch, perhaps, when you're battling with other people, but it's easily lost and it never satisfies. Have you ever heard a rich, influential, powerful person say, I'm actually quite happy where I am. I'm not going to try to rise farther to the top. Nobody does that because it becomes an idol. And what about intelligence or freedom or the pursuit of pleasure? All these things may seem attractive, but in the final analysis, they're just earthly man-made things and they are silly and powerless if you start trusting in them and directing your life just for them and eventually you become like them. And it is very wise then that our Lord Jesus teaches us to stop as soon as we start praying and to consider whether our prayer will honor God's holy name. What are we praying to? What are we kneeling for? Are we kneeling before the stuff of the earth and asking to have more of those things that cannot last? God, give me more money. God, give me more influence. God, make my dreams come true. Or are we lifting our hands to heaven, to the God who is greater and who is truly powerful? We have to think about that and make the right choice. And just that short prayer, hallowed be your name, should make us stop and think about that. This is how we bring glory to God's name. That's how we hallow the name of the Lord, by recognizing that he is holy and great, That when we pray, we are not trying to manipulate some power in this world. That we are not trying to get something under our control. But that we yield to him who is infinitely greater than we are. And that is the proper attitude to any prayer. It's also the proper attitude to all of our lives. In fact, it is the very purpose of our lives. And if you look at the end of Psalm 115, you see that highlighted. The question there is answered, why are we on earth? Well, says the Psalm in verse 16, the, the heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth is given to the children of man. And what is our goal then in verse 18? That we will bless the Lord. From this time forth and forevermore. That's our purpose. That's what we should live for. And so the Heidelberg Catechism has it right when it extends this first part of our prayer life to our entire life. Did you see that? Um, the Heidelberg Catechism talks about the Lord's Prayer here, but then, right in Lord's Day 47, it says, Grant us also that we may direct our whole life, our thoughts and our words and our actions, so that your name may not be blasphemed but glorified. When we pray, hallowed be your name, that is a very good checkpoint to consider whether there are any idols that should be removed from our lives. Does the trust and the admiration and the loyalty that we owe to God actually go to Him? Or do we turn it back to this earth and its limited concerns? Psalm 115 calls God's people to give glory to His name especially by trusting in Him. Our faith and trust in God is a central way in which we Give glory to God's name. And so it says in verse 9, O Israel, trust in the Lord. And house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. And you who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. For those who listen to this call, who hallow God's name as we ought to, it comes with a promise of blessing. And that promise is in verse 12 and following. The Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. Precisely because He is steadfast in His love and mercy. Precisely because He is truthful and faithful. We can be sure that God will give us His blessing. And Psalm 115 describes that blessing especially in verse 14 as increase, as growth. If we hallow God's name, we will grow in appreciation of God, in an understanding of His will, in wisdom and in maturity. As we focus on God's glory, our lives will seem more meaningful. Our faith becomes more powerful. Our relationships become more purposeful. We learn to understand that God is indeed our help and our shield, as the Psalms says, that we are fully dependent on Him and that we can trust Him more than anything else. We will grow in all these areas of faith. And that blessing already starts when we are praying. As we stop at the beginning of our prayer, to really hallow God's name first then our priorities start shifting both in our prayers and in our everyday life and that is very good for us so i would encourage you to start your own prayers whether you pray the lord's prayer or prayer of your own by first thinking about the name of the lord and giving him the glory And you might just find out that all the things you thought you had to pray for just seem a little less important. And so we pray, Father, hallowed be your name, because your name alone is great. And now I realize that the things I was going to ask for are not as important as I thought. All that I ask you is that you glorify yourself in me and that your love and your faithfulness and your wisdom and majesty may become more visible in me. And Father, hallowed be Your name. Your name alone is great. And now I start learning how Jesus lived, who always thought first of Your glory and Your kingdom before anything He needed for Himself. And Father, hallowed be Your name. Your name alone is great. What better moment to ask You to smash the idols in my life and those things that I am attached to but that are really distracting me from you. And so learn this first lesson about prayer. Put God first. As the Father who loves you, and who is loving and faithful, merciful and true, beyond all comparison. And you will find that this first petition in the Lord's Prayer becomes a first step to a true blessing. It is not about us indeed. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name give glory. But when that happens, when we glorify and hallow that name, then that is also good for us. You see, it is not about us, but it is certainly a blessing to us. Amen.